0: Amen. So welcome out to Wednesday night if you're new to Heritage. Wednesday nights are, are kind of like Bible school. We just, the uh, Lord puts a, t- uh, a topic on, on our hearts and I uh, give different topics to different people. And we'll stay on a topic for a number of weeks, whether it's healing, whether it's prosperity. Um, the last series we did was Walking with God. Uh, and we started a, another one a couple weeks ago. And it's called Summer Stories. Summer Stories. And, and uh, even summer, praise the Lord for summer. And um, and so so with this, it, it, what it's about is, you know, uh, just really kind of unpacking some Bible stories that maybe people might not be familiar with and maybe have a little bit of understanding or they, they remember Sunday school or they just really want to unpack, unpack some of these things and really bring out keys that will bring victory into our lives. You know, about, about faith, victory, and obedience because it's all through the Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 15, and I'm going <clears> to... <throat> I'm going to lay a, continue to lay a groundwork for the series and then we'll, I'll get in and I'll, talk, I'll let you know what, what story we're going to be talking about tonight. Romans 15, because this is really why I believe this series is important. And we see this in verse 4. It says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, or you could say it this way, For whatever was thus written in former days... Were written for our instruction that by our steadfast and impatience, uh, uh, steadfast and patient endurance and the encouragement drawn from the scriptures, we might hold fast to and cherish hope. The King James says for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So, if anyone tells you, you know, hey, we're living under the new covenant now, we're not under the old covenant again, they don't understand what the Old Testament was written for. And to not be in the Old Testament and to not read and understand stories in the Old Testament, you're short circuiting some things that may be some things that the Holy Spirit will use to inspire you, give you direction, give you wisdom. To strengthen you and empower you. So anyone says, you know, that the Old Testament, you know, you just need to be reading the New Testament. Well, the New Testament said those things that were written beforehand were written for our learning. Meaning there's something that I should pull from them that are going to cause me to endure. It's going to cause me to, to, to have patience. It's going to cause me to be strong. It's going to cause me to have faith. It's going to cause me to have hope. Amen. Amen. We could all use some hope, right? You know, I mean, and I can show you other places in the scripture, I believe it's in Romans 4, it says that that it was credited to him for righteousness, was not only written for his sake, but for ours also. Talking of Abraham, it's Romans chapter 4, 23 and verse 24, and it says that it wasn't just written for Abraham's sake, but it was written for our sake also, right? you know psalms 119 105 it says that what the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path second timothy chapter 3 16 says all scripture is god breathe god inspired right yeah. and it talks about that it's for for inspiration it's for it's for reproof it's for correction and also instructions in righteousness so that's all scripture. So the thing is, is why we're, as we're talking about these summer stories, and we're talking about these stor- stories within the word, whether it's in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, is something that we need to pull from to strengthen and establish our faith. Amen? So the story I want to dive in tonight is uh, one of my favorite stories. And Jesus actually references this Old Testament story. And so if you go to Luke chapter four, Luke chapter 4, Jesus actually references this story on the day that he stands up and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So you could say this was the first message that Jesus preached after he came out of the wilderness, which was right after he got baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him. And this was all in that first day of preaching and he references a particular story. So let's look at this in Luke chapter four, verse 23. He's already said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. But in verse 23, it says this, and he said unto them, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you that no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent except to Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And then it says this, and many lepers, say many lepers were in Israel, say in Israel, Israel, in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Now think about this. This is Jesus. He stands up and he talks about, hey, I'm the anointed one, and I'm here to, to deliver you. I'm here to set you free. I'm here to, to change your life. I'm here to set you free from whatever bondages you're in. And they go in, and they have questions to him. They question him about certain things, and he says, you're going to say this parable, and you're going to do this. Why? Because because, there's, because a prophet, there's no honor in a prophet's hometown, meaning you're not going to see a lot of these things because you don't know honor. You're not going to see a lot of these things because you don't have faith in me. And then he tells them, he says, you know what? There was, there was many widows in that time in Israel. But only this woman from Sarepta, from the city of Sidon, was what, did, did, did Elijah show up to. Now think about it. He's saying, look... There were, there were many people like her that were of your people. There were many Israelites, but yet it took someone that didn't have a covenant with me to receive from me. She, she, she wasn't Jewish. She was actually, Sidon is actually Lebanon. And so, so here, a, 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 a woman from Lebanon is reaching into a covenant and laying hold of something. Why? Because God's people wouldn't. Why? You know, they, they knew about Elijah, but how come they weren't going to the prophet? How come they weren't going to who the one that would speak on behalf of God? And then you see he says this, he says, There were many lepers in Israel, but there was only this Naaman, the Syrian. I mean, there was a lot of God's people that had leprosy at that time, but yet there was only one of them cleansed, and it was this guy, Naaman, or Naaman, who was Syrian. Why? Because they didn't have faith. They didn't have faith. And you're like, well, why did that woman have, why did that widow woman have faith? And I, someone else might get in and talk about that story you know, later on in the series. But, but put it this way. She said, God said in, in uh, I believe it's in um, 1 Kings chapter 17, he says, he says this, he goes, I've commanded a widow woman there. So if he commanded a widow woman there, they must have had a conversation. There must have been some sort of relationship there. Now let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. And I want to dive into the story of Naaman tonight, Naaman, Naaman, why do you say Naaman? Well, it's N-A-A-M-A-N, so, (laughs) Naaman, and by the way, Brother Copeland pronounces it that way, so... (laughs) Hallelujah. So 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, and I'm going to read a, try not to be a talking head and read tons of scripture to you, but that'd be good for you. Bible stories, right? So just pretend you're like in my living room and we're just, okay, verse 1 says, Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master Accepted and acceptable because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. I'm reading the Amplified. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Man, I think he was a good man. He was accepted and he was acceptable. It's a good man. He wasn't an arrogant man. He wasn't a prideful. He was a good man. And it said, "And the Lord had given him victory. Had given victory to Syria." He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Verse 2 The Syrians had gone out in bands and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with a prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of leprosy. Naaman went in and told his king, thus and thus said the maid from Israel, and the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel, and he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of raiment, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, it said, when this letter comes to you, I will with it have sent to you my servant Naaman, Naaman, that you may cure him of leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends to me to heal a man of leprosy? Just consider and see how he's seeking a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel, he had rent his clothes and he sent to the king asking, Why have you rent your clothes? Let Naaman come now to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel." So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stooped at Elisha's, stopped at Elisha's door. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and he went away and he said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place and heal the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in rage and his servants came near and said to him, My father, if the prophet had bid you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? How much rather than than when he says to you, wash and be clean? Then he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan as the man of God had said, and his flesh was restored like that of a little child. And he was clean. Wow. And he was clean. Jesus said there were a lot of lepers. A lot of people that were lepers in Israel. But yet only this man got clean. You know, if I could tell this story in, a, in just a few few stories, you could say this. A servant's word... A king's question, a prophet's instruction, and a man's miracle. That, that's what this, this story is, is, is all about. You know, I, I find this is a little side note is, is that this woman, this servant, a, a nobody, who is a slave, who is just held captive, she hears a conversation and she says, there's a prophet in Israel. You know what? You, you might be the very voice that begins someone's miracle. You could be the very, you know, we don't talk about that. So we talk about Naaman Naaman, and he's dipping in the river seven times and he gets cleansed. But what about the faith that was sowed? See, because it wasn't just, it, it was faith was sown. You, in order for miracles to take place, there always has to be faith. Faith had to be somewhere. Because I believe that's what Jesus was talking to those people in, in, in Luke chapter 4. I believe that's what he was talking about. It was, it was faith. You don't have faith. And here, this servant woman, this servant over here, is a conversation and says, hey, there's a prophet in Israel. I believe if you go to this prophet in, prophet in Israel... I believe you can be healed of this leprosy. And it birthed an expectancy in this man that didn't serve her God. He he goes back to, he goes back to see the at that time, Israel and in Syria, there was constant battles at the border all the time. There was constant battles. And, and I believe in some of those battles and some of the, the conquering of Israel, little by little, this lady was captive by Na, Naaman. And brought back to his house. And yet he, she, she thinks of the prophet in Israel. There's a prophet in Israel. There's a prophet in Israel. And it established a faith on the inside of him. I believe this was such a faith on the inside of him that he was expecting. And you know what? He had already worked out in his mind what the prophet might do. You know, because when, when he said, when he said, well, go and dip in the river seven times and you shall be made whole. You know, he said, well, I thought he would do this. And why didn't he just come out and wave his hand over me? And the place he waved his hand over me would be healed. Why? He was already meditating on healing. He was already meditating on the manifestation of his miracle. He was already meditating on some things. He was already meditating on what this prophet might do. But yet he gets angry. He gets angry. Was restoration... Let me ask you a question. Did restoration happen in Naaman's life because he went to the prophet's house? Mm -mm. Let me ask you a question. Did restoration happen in Naaman's life Because Gehazi came out and spoke a word. Mm -mm. You see, what we have to see out of this Old Testament scripture is faith without works is dead. It, it It wasn't just being at the prophet's house and it wasn't just hearing the prophet's word. But it was, what are you doing with the word? You you can show up to church and be in the place where the presence of God is. And yet not be changed. You can hear the word that's coming from a prophet's mouth. You can hear the word, the anointed word of God, and yet still not be changed. You know, we we could have this mindset and this idea that, that, man, if if just Jesus showed up in the house everything would be different. It's not just hearing the word, but it's being obedient to that word. I, I, think of, I think of Abraham, and I think of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and it says of him, it says, he, God shows up and says, I want you to leave your father's house, and I want you to go to a land that I'll show you. And he tells him, he goes, he goes in, in blessing, I will bless uh, and I will bless thee. And he goes and he talks about, I will, I will make your name great. I'll make your name great. And then in verse four of, of Genesis 12, it says, and Abraham departed and Abraham departed so it wasn't just the word that came from God that brought about the victory in Abraham's life. It wasn't it wasn't just hearing the word that was going to cause God to make Abraham's name great. It was going to be the, in the phrase when Abraham departed. Go to James chapter two, James chapter two. I don't want to get ahead of myself. James chapter 2. Let's look at verse 17. I going to read the Amplified. It says, So also faith, if it does not have works, deeds, or actions of obedience to back it up, by itself it's destitute of power, inoperative and dead. But someone will say to you then, you say you have faith and I have good works. Now you show me your alleged faith apart from any good works if you can, and I by good works of obedience will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. So do the demons believe and shudder in terror and horror as a man, uh, um, such as make a man hair stand on edge and contract the surface of the skin. Are you willing to be shown proof, you foolish? Now think about that. He goes, you believe God is one, well, so do the demons. So belief, just belief alone doesn't bring the breakthrough. Just belief alone doesn't bring the breakthrough. You know, Abraham could have believed God all day long sitting in in, in, in Tehran or Terra or sitting in Haran where he was at. He could have believed God all day long. Yeah. I believe that's God. And I believe what he said is true. I believe what he said is true. Yes. He's going to make my name. Great. He's going to make my name. Great. He's going to make my name. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe he's going to make my name great. He's going to make my name great. But the issue was the, the instruction was go to a land that I'll show you. So belief alone doesn't bring the miracle always. Amen. Verse 20, Are you willing to be shown proof, you foolish, unproductive, spiritually deficient fellow, that faith apart from good works is inactive and ineffective and worthless? Was not our forefather Abraham shown to be justified made acceptable to God by his works when he brought to the altar an offering his own son Isaac. You see then, his faith was cooperating with his works and his faith was completed, get this, completed and reached its supreme expression when he implemented by good works. And so the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God And thus was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Going to verse 26 says, For as human body apart from the spirit is lifeless, so faith apart from its works of obedience is also dead. Wow. Think about that. For as the human body apart from the spirit is lifeless. Meaning you take your spirit out of your body, your body will just fall to the ground. And it's the same thing with your faith. Your faith, apart from works of obedience, will not have anything to stand on. Wow. Wow. So if we, if we look at this story of Naaman and we see it, he goes to the prophet. Why? Because he believed the prophet has the answer. Why? Because his servant, the servant girl told her he did. But yet he says, they said, go out and dip in the Jordan River seven times and you shall be made whole. Man, it, it, said, it said that he was enraged. Enraged at this. Enraged at this. Why? Because, because he wanted it done his way. He wanted it done his way. I'm a leader. I'm second to the king. And I'm second to the king in Syria. I don't want to dip into that river. Those are dirty rivers. Couldn't you have Couldn't I just go wash in a clean river? See, he wanted to, he wanted to set the ground for his miracle. He wanted to tell God how God was going to do it. And see, f- see, God is not interested in how you think he should do it. God just wants you to obey. You know, and you know, I, I think about this because it, it's so key, and, we, and I see it throughout the Scripture. You, you can even see it in Matthew chapter four, and Jesus is is coming to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, and he he tells them, he says, he goes, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." See, there was there was a command in that. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. See. Most of the time, we want to be fishers of men, but we don't want to follow. We want to be used by God, but we don't want to follow. We want, we want the church to use us, but we don't want to honor the church. We want to, be, we want to, we want to do something great. We want to be used by God. We want God to, to use us in great things. We want God to take us to the nations. But you got to start with this aspect of follow. Follow, and I'll make you fishers of men. And the very next verse in in Matthew four, in that in that verse there it says, and straight away. And straight away they left their nets. Straight away left their nets. So so they had faith that in that this 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 could be the Messiah. And it wasn't just believing that he could be the Messiah, but all of a sudden now there was works of obedience in what? We know they followed. They followed. But what would have happened if they didn't follow? What would happen if they didn't follow? Maybe some guy named Bubba would have written John. I don't know. We don't know. I mean, maybe a guy named Vic would have been the one Jesus spoke to. Get behind me, Satan. I don't know. <laughs> but the but the, the the what we need to see is 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 naaman you know he was needing a marvel he was needing a wonder he was needing an extraordinary manifestation of the greatness of our God, and sometimes we're wanting miracles when God is telling us to change something in the natural you know, we, we, you know i, I you know, people that had that had issues with emphysema and things like that, and and praying for them. But go back and just light another one up. And and the thing is, you got to see. There's 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 things that you have to do in the natural. And you're like, well, well why did Pat, why did he want him to go to the Jordan River and dip seven times? I wish I could tell you. I wish there was some spiritual reason that I could. They, one of the th- things I thought is, well, hey, four chapters before that. Elisha took a, Elijah's mantle and hit the Jordan River with it and it went, it said thither and hither and whatever and it went that way and that way and and they walked over on dry ground so I don't know, maybe there's some residue of Elijah's mantle in there and I don't know and he needed seven seven things of it, I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know, seven dips in, of that anointing, I don't know. But But the point was, was are you, are we going to follow God? Right. Are we, are we going to follow God? You know, God, Jesus told the disciples, actually told 500 people, go to Jerusalem and stay there. And until you're endued with power from on high, but yet only 120 showed up. Where were the other 380? I mean, you had 120 that partook of one of maybe the greatest days in the birth of the New Testament church. And you had 300, 380 that, not sure where they were. Why? Because they believed what it was said, but they didn't have works that accompany their belief. And it's not works in, in earning something. It's not works in earning your healing. It's not, if I just do enough works, then God's gonna heal me. If I just do enough works, then, then this is gonna happen. If I just do enough works, then that will happen. Just do enough works. No, it's works of obedience, It's works of obedience. Abraham could have worked and gone to all sorts of different places except for where God told him to do. But he said, I'm doing something, God. I'm doing something, God. I'm doing something. I'm doing something. But you forgot something. It's the land. I'll show you. You know, the biggest gap, and we, we talk about this in leadership and in, in a lot of different things, but the biggest gap in the world, they say is this, is what people know and what people do with what they know. I mean, we, we all know a lot, of, a lot of things. You know, I think there was a book that said if we, if we all kn- did what we knew to do, we'd we all be skinny, rich, and happy. Right. That's that's it's like, OK, we, we know these things, but how come there's sometimes we we don't do the things that we know that's going to bring about the results in our life. And honestly, in my life, there's there's some things that I want in my life. But you know what? I didn't want to pay the price for it, <laughs> you know, or lazy or or so forth. But, you know, but, there, but there's this aspect of of we don't we don't make the rules. And that's what we see with Naaman's life is, is, is he was wanting it done his way. And so his servants say, hey, master, father, master. It, the word father, it wasn't, he wasn't, they weren't his children. The word father there is just a, they loved their master. They loved the person they served. They were actually serving by choice, not because they were slaves. That's what we see father that way. It was like, I choose, I, choose, I choose to join myself to you and serve you by choice. And they and they're saying, Master, if they had told you to done, did some hard thing, you would have done it, right? He goes, Well, all he did ask you is just wash and be clean. Just 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 do it. So your breakthrough, your destiny, your miracle isn't found in just hearing, but it's found in doing. You know, uh when I first came to the Lord, I had a I had you're always faced with things you could do. And you'll have people tell you what you should do or what you could do. And I remember when I, when I first got born again in January of 1993, I, I was, some of you have heard my story, been, I was working at a liquor store, and I'm not going into how that took place right now, but immediately when my, my, my sister lived about an hour away, and so I remember that next week coming back, and I was like on cloud nine. I'd just been healed, and I'm going back, and but yeah, there's part of me and going back to work at the liquor store, and I knew that just wasn't what I was. I knew in here I was like, you know, you need something new. So I went, I went in and, and, and quit my job. And my mom said, well, "Why'd you quit your job?" I said, "Well, if God can heal me, He can sure find me a job." Right. Right. Man, Revelation right there, you know. <laughs> and and so so, and then he said then. I didn't tell my mom this yet. I said, "But already, this is just like a week after I had, I had this change happen in my life." And and um, he said, "You need to you need to move from here." I just knew in here. Was just like I just I, I can't say I, I heard God said or. But in here, I just just in here, just a prompt and said said you can't live here. He goes he goes there's pla-, and this is what he told me. He goes he goes there's places I want to take you, and your friends can't take you there. Said, so there's places I want to take you, but your relationships, your current relationships, can't take you there. And so I was like, okay, I don't. Know. So I, I I called my sister up and I was like, hey, can can I live with you for a bit until, until I find something, something works out, and so forth. So I I moved an hour away and and um and so so I, so I did that and, and, and why? Because you know what, I couldn't I couldn't continue in the same lifestyle. I couldn't, even, even I went back that first week and, and my friends, I, I went to a party and, and I remember, you know, where I nursed one beer the whole night. Cause I knew it's something here. No one told me, no one told me that, that I shouldn't drink. No one told me that, that alcohol would, no one told me it was just in here. I just knew it just wasn't the right thing anymore. And I just walked around with that. Like went, you want to No, I'm good. I'm good. I just something in here. I was like, and so I just knew I got to get out of here. And so I, I moved an hour away, and, and I started working at a, at a small pharmacy, and, and 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 I remember remember doing that, and I was making like like I think three seventy five an hour, I think is what I was making an hour, and working at a cash register, three seventy five an hour. Can you believe that three seventy five an hour? And and uh, but I'm like, Lord, I am like, what? I was making, I was making like twice this working at the liquor store, and 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 the Lord was just like, it's, and I just felt it was like it's okay. This, this is like, this is where I want you. And my mind is saying, I need, okay, I can get that job and I can get that job and I can do that. I can do this. But he was like, no, just, just do this. Do this. I was like, okay. You see, I, I, even at that, I was, I was trying to create scenarios. I was trying to create ways. I was trying to create avenues. And he said, just, 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 I'll take care of everything. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, just trust me. And, and and I remember I, I stayed at that job for I stayed at that job for almost a, a year and a half, a year and year and nine months. And you know what? I never had to look for a job. I had I had a company call me. I had a company call me up and said, Someone told us about you and they told us about your work ethic and they think you'd be good at this position. They called me at the pharmacy I was working at. And I said, "Well, let me think about it." And well, and I was like, "Well, how how, how much does it pay?" <laughs> well, for training you, for training you'll get you'll be in four weeks of training and you're going to make ten dollars an hour. It's like, hey, that's great. And I was like, "Man, I was ten, yeah, sweet ten <laughs> ten dollars an hour. <laughs> yeah, let's do this," you know. And I gave my two weeks notice and 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 I went there. Now. D- Five years later, I'm making thirty-one dollars an hour at that same job. I didn't go look for it, but it came on the backs of of doing what God told me to do. Leave 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 the town I grew up in. Why? Because the people those people can't take you where I want you to go. Work at this pharmacy, but it's only three seventy-five an hour. It's okay. But you know, that year and a half I was there, when we were slow, I was able to read the word. I read the word. I read, anytime we were, I read the word. I read the word. I read the word. I read the word. I read. It was kind of like Bible school. I read the word. I read the word. Then God, that God had someone call me for a job. And then to come to Texas. Came out and visited, and the Lord said, I, "I want you, I want you to move to Texas, and because I want you to go to Bible school, and and I had everyone telling me that I could do what I was called to do at that church. My, you know, my grandparents, they they were like they couldn't understand why did why does he have to go to Texas? doesn't, doesn't God live in Maryland too?" <laughs> Doesn't, doesn't, don't people need Jesus and Maryland too? I, I know they do. But the thing is, 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 is it going to be my plan, their plan or God's plan? And then, and that, I remember when I came out here and, and, and that that's, that's another long story. Came out and. And I knew the Lord said, I want, you to, I want you to be. The Holy Ghost came up. I was at an apartment off of, right by TCU, and at some friend's house, the Holy Ghost showed up and said, knocked me to the ground and said, Justin, you're going to be in Texas for the majority of the rest of your life. Man, the power of God came so strong on me. I was like, oh my goodness. I got up and I'm like, man, how? But then my mind is, how am I going to do this? How's, do you know how much, I, you know, I, I was making great money, but I was in <laughs> this huge debt. I couldn't explain it. And so I get back and, and this is, this is January of 1999. And, and the Lord's like, all right, I want you to Texas. I'm like, but do you, under- I've got $28,000 of credit card debt. I've got a mortgage. And, and yet Bible school starts in six and a half months. And he said that he goes, you take care of the obedience. I'll take care of the impossible. But all my friends, everyone was telling me you can do this. I had even someone at work at another one of my clients that went to Rhema and said, you don't want to go to Jerry Savelle Bible School. That's not a good Bible. You need to go to Rhema. So you people are always things are always going to try to talk you out of your destiny. Things are always going to try to talk you out of what you're called to do. But it goes back to what are the instructions because I can only have faith in what I've heard. Right. I can't have faith in what someone else heard or what someone else thinks. I have to have faith in what I've heard because they're not responsible for my destiny. I am. Right. Well, with God, God's responsible for my destiny, but it's to me being submitted to him, not what other people think. Amen. And he told me that phrase again. He goes, there's places I want to take you that you can't go if you stay in Maryland. You see... Dip in a river seven times, dip in a dirty river seven times, and you shall be clean. So now, now I'm at this place where, all right, I've got all this debt. How am I going to get out of $28,000 of debt in six and a half months? And he tells me, you take care of the obedience, and I'll take care of the impossible, so as soon as I get back, the next week, I have a, a guy at church. He, he, he says, you know, I was praying the other day, and he said, he said um, there's a conference in, 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 um, in, in Washington, D.C. And Creflo Dollar speaking at this conference, and I had in my heart, you know, I've, I, I don't have anyone to go with. My wife can't go. She's working. And I asked other people, but they can't go. And I really don't want to drive by myself, but will you go with me? And, and my mind's thinking, he goes, I, I, I can't, I, I don't have time to go to a conference. I got to figure out how I'm going to get out of debt. I've gotta, i got to, I don't have money. I have the money for gas and, and, and food to get up there. I need to get out of debt. And so the Lord says again, he goes, are you going to take care of the obedience so I can do the impossible? See, this is kind of like, you know, dip seven times in this river. So I said, okay, I'll go, I'll go with you. We go. And soon as Creflo comes out, he goes, well, my theme all week is going to be how to get out of debt God's way. (laughs) My theme all week is going to be how to, how to get out of debt God's way. (laughs) And, and so the the man, he preached the message, man, and it was revelation. And you know what it came down to? Obedience. Obedience. Some people want miracles in their finances, but start with obedience. I'm, I'm grateful for 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 money miracles, but but most of them are birthed out of obedience. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You know. i think of the the man at the the pool of the bethesda you know he had been sick for 38 years you know how, how many times jesus actually went went in that same place and probably saw that same man i mean jesus we know he 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 was crucified at 33 and a half years of age he was anointed at thirty three years of ministry so this, this man was laid at this, this pool, we don't know how many years, but he, we know he, he was sick in that condition for 38 years. How many times did Jesus, growing up with because Jesus had to go every year for, for Passover, and every year Jesus seeing this man, seeing this man at the gate, See, I mean seeing this man at the pool, but this time Jesus walks in and he sees him, and he asks him a question, he goes, do you want to be made whole? And the man's response, he didn't answer the question. Right. He goes, well, I have no man. Well, the, someone else steps down in front of me. It, the question was, do you want to be made whole? Right. And this is where that statement came from that I made a, a few minutes ago. That Jesus c- can be in the building and miracles still not happen. You can be in the presence of God. You can be in, under the anointing of God. You can hear the anointed word, but yet still nothing changed. See, Jesus was in the room that day. And we would think if Jesus just showed up in this building, then everybody would be healed. But yet this man, Jesus asked him a question. Do you want to be made whole? Jesus didn't touch him. He didn't lay hands on him. The response was, pick up your bed and walk so it was it was was this man's obedience to respond to the master that was going to determine his miracle and I've seen it in my life when I've responded in obedience to what the master had said I've seen miracles manifest in my life go back to my, my story because it's come down, you know, it's not just believing that God could get me out of debt. I believe that God could get me out of debt. But I had to, I had to understand I have a part to play. I have a part to play in this miracle. You know, I wrote a couple of things down. Thank you, Father. First, when he, when I came back from Maryland, he told me this, came back from, came back from Texas he said, I want, you to, I want you to tell everyone that your last day at work is on August 11th. So for that five and a half months, every, every week every week almost, I'd tell one of my clients, well, my last day is August 11th. My last day is August 11th. I'm going to Texas. What are you going to do? I'm going to Texas. I'm going to be in the ministry. I'm going to Texas. I'm going to be in the ministry. August 11th is going to be my last day. You know, so anytime, anytime things didn't look right and, and I'm looking at this debt. well, my last day at work is August 11th. I went in and gave my, my office five months notice when my last day was. My last day is going to be August 11th. My last day is going to be August 11th. My last day is going to be August 11th. Why? Why am I saying that? Because the Lord told me to tell. Tell, tell, your, tell everyone your last day at work is August 11th. Your last day, August 11th. Yeah, I sounded stupid. Yeah, people don't understand. Well, what are you going to do? You're going in the what? The What's ministry? <laughs> Grandparents. Why are you going to do a thing like that? You're going to Texas? Wow. They hate the Redskins. <laughs> August 11th is going to be my last day. And, and, and through this, he, he, he gave me a plan. And that plan started with sowing seeds. That plan started sacrificing things. That plan started, started with sowing things, selling things, and stop buying things I didn't need. 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 So this was all part of it. This, this was the plan that the Lord had given me to, to get out of debt. And you know what? To this day, I still can't figure out how things happened. But my last day of work was August 11th. And my last day in Maryland was August 29th. I got in a Honda Accord with my, with, with my mom and my dad drove with me. To from Maryland, you know, 27 hours driving to Texas with everything I owned in a Honda Accord. <laughs> Sounds like a song. <laughs> and, and I get, <laughs> don't sing it, okay. <laughs> Maybe I need to write one. But, and, and I get here, and at that time, the $28,000 had gone down 25,000 to, I, 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 only had $3,067 and 27 cents left of debt. So in six and a half months, my $28,000 of debt had gone down to $3,067 and 27 cents. Man, I, I was like, wow, how come I didn't save money like this? <laughs> I, I don't know how it happened. I don't know what it did. I just did my part. I don't know if, if there was some things supernaturally happened with the bank. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. But the Lord said, do this, sow that, give that, sell that. Don't do that. Do this. Go here. Don't do that. And, I don't, and that's, what, that's what happened. So I show, up to, I show up to Bible school. It was orientation. Some of you might have heard this story. But I still have that $3,067.27 debt. And I said, Lord, I don't have a job. Move to Texas, I don't have a job. And I have Bible school, you know, in, all the way until 1230, 1 o'clock. I, 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 I don't know, what am I going to do for money? And you take care of the obedience, I'll take care of the impossible. So here it is, it's registration day. And registration fee was $250. Praise the Lord, I had that. I actually had $1,400 to, to my name at that point. $1,400. But yet, I don't have a place to live yet, and I know the apartment I was looking at was was, was Savoy Apartments on Kingswood Drive, right behind the Brahms there, down there. Uh, Lisa and I used to live in the same apartment complex when we started Bible school. That's her daughter in law, and and so and so i I'd, uh, so I knew the rent was four hundred and fifty dollars a month, and and so okay, so I've got fourteen hundred dollars. Okay, I got I got rent to pay. I got all right registration. Okay, I need to get a job. All right. So I'm here at registration day and I've got my $250 check in hand made to the Bible school and I'm ready to go. And I'm standing right, right, right on that side where that door is. And I, there's a table in the back there and, and that's where you would pay. And then over here, they had another table that was set for people that didn't have the registration fee and they would go and let them know how are they were gonna cover it or they need a prayer or whatever it is. And, and I'm standing over there and the Holy Ghost comes on me. I mean, my... my, my I mean, my, my right hand was shaking. Just the anointing of God was on me so strong. I'd, man, I was like, man. It was the pre- and I couldn't deny it was God. It was kind of like, okay, stop, stop. What's going on here? And, and, and the Lord says, look over there. I look over and he goes, you need to pay for that couple's registration fee. I was like, no, I don't. I was like, Lord, do you know how much money I have? So that, that'd be $500. My 250 that I have, and I only have fourteen hundred to my name. God, to my name, <sighs> I go down the aisle just a little bit, and he, he said, "You need to, you need to pay there. I'm like, "No, I, mm, Lord, I, and I'm like, "I don't have my checkbook." He goes, "It's in, it's in the car." <laughs> so I get to the, I get to the table, and I pay for my registration fee, and and, and I'm I'm walking by, I'm walking by the table. And also I get right in front of that table and it's almost like my feet are in cement and I can't move. And it's almost like the Lord has given me one more opportunity to obey. He goes, you need to pay for that couple's fee. So I look at Alan, Alan Weissman was his name. I said, I said, I need, I need to go to the car. I, I'm gonna pay for there. So I bring the check in hand shaking, fear and trembling. Okay, there it is. Okay, Lord. I got a letter in the mail. I guess it was it was postmarked that same day when that I had done that, and it was money that was over three thousand dollars that someone said the Lord told them to sow to me. So by the time Bible school started, I was out of debt. And I have other American thing that whole year. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I volunteered about 80 hours a week at different places, but never received a paycheck for 10 months. I worked 80 hours a week, whether EMIC or JSMI, and I didn't work for a paycheck. After, I I, I mean, things just happened. People did things. And it's not because I was lazy. I actually went and the Lord said, no, you need. you've been trusting your paycheck for this long. You need to trust me. I even went out to Six Flags and did orientation, and and um, after orientation, the Lord said, "Did I tell you? Did I tell you to get a job there?" I said, "No, sir." So I had to call the person I was a, working for. I said, "I'm not going to do this." Finished Bible school, went back to Maryland, came back, and I said, "Lord, what do you? What, I, I can I mean, I just don't want to live on from miracle to miracle all the time." I, I praise God. I appreciate, it. and I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I said, but I want to be able to start giving. I want to start giving. And so I came and I was volunteering here. At, we didn't have a church then. It was just the Bible school. It was out to the right there on the riding lawnmower, cutting grass. The dean of the Bible school comes out, waves me in. and He said, so do you want to work at the Bible school? I said, I would love to work at the Bible school. But it all came back to me, one, not trying to figure out myself and just doing the steps of obedience. The steps of obedience. Naaman's victory was found in his ability to not just believe the prophet, but obey the prophet. And your victory, your miracles, you know what? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard thing. Transition is a hard thing. Transition is never easy. It was hard for me to leave Maryland. One, because my family, no one in my family has ever left Maryland. It was hard for me to leave because, because of the, the church I pretty much got saved in. And I was close, my, my, my pastor there was like, like, a, like a second father and, and his, his wife were like second parents to me. Man, the, the day I had to go in and tell him that, that I was leaving to go to Texas, man, I cried. Because I didn't want it to feel, I didn't, I didn't want to feel like I was letting him down. But yet, on the inside of me, I knew it was what I was supposed to do. It was what I was supposed to do. i telling you, it's difficult, it's challenging, but I'm telling you, just do what he's telling you to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Though Father, we thank you for the word tonight. We thank you for the word tonight. and we thank you for examples like Naaman. We thank you for examples of a man that believed that you were and are a healer. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace in our lives. And areas and times when we've missed it. We haven't held the course or stayed our ground or tried to come up with our own way or come up with a different plan or pull ourselves out of places where we should have stayed or places that we've stayed when we should have left. Thank you, Father. That each one of us in here is unique. Each one of us have unique personal callings. And Father, that we would be sensitive. One, that we would hear your voice and know your voice. But more importantly, not just believe, but we'd have works of obedience. That we'd follow through. Lord, that we are a church filled with finishers. We are a church filled with people that are, will fulfill their destiny. We will be people that speak a word into people's lives that may, be, may begin the healing process. We may be like that servant girl. That servant that spoke the word and said, there's a prophet in Israel. There's a prophet in Samaria. Samaria. And maybe we're the one that's submitted and serving on behalf of a, a minister. And then we speak and we speak as messengers on behalf to give what God has said. I thank you, Father, if, if they have second-guessed their calling or second-guessed their decisions or second-guessed their transition. I thank you, Father, that, that there will be a confirming a confirming voice. That will reveal where they're at and where they're going. And that voice will bring a supernatural peace that will pass all understanding. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Lord, that as we hear will obey. And I thank you, even when it might be uncomfortable, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we think, even maybe we did it this way last time, but that, 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 that this time we will follow through with exactly what we're hearing. Even as Jesus said it in John, in John chapter 17, he said, I finished down to the last detail everything you told me to do. That's what we say. That's what we do. And as we do it, I thank you that we will see marvels, wonders. And extraordinary manifestations not only happen in our lives personally, but happen through our lives and other people. And we thank you for this word tonight. I declare tonight they are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I declare that they will fulfill all their days. I declare that the enemy is under their feet. I declare that healing. Miracles are manifesting in their bodies. I declare that, that, that miracle, mir- that money miracles are happening in their lives. I thank you that you're giving them wisdom beyond their experience and beyond their years and To operate their finances like this world doesn't understand. I thank you they operate their finances out of the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of this world. I thank you that they operate in a position of victory, from a position of victory, from a position of being the head and not the tail, a position of being above only and not beneath. I declare that they're gifted, they're graced, and they're empowered for greatness. And I declare that they come behind in no gift. And I declare the enemy is under their feet. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Give me a shout of praise if you received that word tonight.